I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cornetto. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boy says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Welcome to the 27th Spool Podcast with your hosts, as always, me, Nigel Wheatley, and him, Pork McGeo. Hello. So, as always, with our end-of-month podcast, we're taking a look back at some of the films we saw in the last couple of weeks that are worth talking about, and then we're going to look ahead to October to see what lies in store. Pretty good month, uh, it seems. Let's, first of all, go back 100 years to older than Ireland. Here's a little bit of a clip from the trailer. We've just come from this, and so we have live reaction, which is kind of exciting. I didn't ever thought I'd live to be a hundred. My daughter said, I'm not on the register, God forgot all about me. Oh, I think he did. Oh, if you saw all the cats I got. Oh, the Lord save. Imagine 452. I feel elated to be over a hundred. Yeah, so legs get a bit dodgy say like when you're walking down. You'll go all right, but slow. And of course, if you run into me, it's my fault. Even though it's yours, you said that whole bastard shouldn't be on the road. So there we heard a clip from Older Than Ireland. It's the new documentary by Alex Fegan. Um, he directed was it a year, probably two years ago, maybe. It's been on television, so it's it's definitely old. A film called the Irish Pub, which I really like. Documentary. Everyone's um, parents enjoyed it a lot too when it played on RT One a little while ago. Yeah, so it's a similar kind of format to the Irish Pub. Uh, the story here is that he's interviewed um, a number of people who are older than Ireland so they're 100 years or older cleverest title of the year I think very yeah. simple but um, he announced he was doing this at the end of the last uh, documentary um, yeah because you had the pleasure of seeing the Irish pub in one of its kind of premiere screenings where yeah and he said oh this is what I've got under my hat we're interviewing people who are 100 and it's kind of tying into the centenary the 1916 centenary next year it's kind of a lot of people are 100 is kind of on people's minds uh, it's very good loved it um very basic format just uh, point and shoot interviews documentaries which yeah and he put a little bit of a narrative on it like um, I was just saying like his and hers Ken Wardrop's film from uh, six years ago where he kind of follows the narrative of these people's lives a bit yeah he starts off with the you know what's your secret to being 100 kind and then it goes into relationships school church some things I would there's uh, with any documentary there's people where I was like oh no go back to that person they seem more interesting and I'd rather know more about them there's a point um, I can't remember her name um, she's the oldest documented living person with Irish citizenship she's like 113 she's from American. Syracuse mm. in New York one yeah 113 and yeah she looks fine yeah um, but there was a f- f- uh, fascinating story about her where I would alter in it in case you go and see it but that's I kind of was like oh, I want to know more about her and then they go back to these other people and I was like oh you're kind of annoying I don't really like you yeah there was a weird thing with the audio mixing and the way it was edited as well because older people you know he put subtitles up for some of them um, and then the delivery 
some of their dialogue is a bit sort of screechy and stuff and it was a bit kind of jarring how you jump like he did manage to fit lots in but it's only a minor quibble that yeah, I have with I it yeah I kind of that was nice though in some ways because it showed oh well that person's clearly deaf and there's no gauge of yeah. their tone so they're just kind of roaring and then yeah some people are very screechy yeah. he didn't put up subtitles for it with the Gaul woman who I think was my favourite and sometimes it took me a while, like a couple of seconds to tune in to what she was saying um, very sad as well you're just kind of looking at this being like do I want to live to 100 I don't think so yeah very sad my grandfather lived to 100 and there there's an undefinable kind of sadness that sort of kicks in in the last year or two as they lament not being able to get out and about like he was a farmer and then mm. all of a sudden is confined to a seat and not really and everyone is just asking you aren't you great for being 99 aren't you great for being 100 aren't you great and how the hell like you're you're like great for what like I'm just hanging on I'm not yeah. I'm not doing anything you know the body won't just give up some of the stories and it where it's just like the other uh, husband or wife has passed on children have died one guy was telling how three of his children are dead and you're just like, oh, God. And some of them look so sad and lonely, and it kind of is that thing of that they don't have anyone for them, you know? Uh, that actually um, was inc- it was really heartbreaking, because we don't... Older people, you don't see them showing much affection in that, and you just realise that, obviously, if, you're, if you've lived so long, they probably spent years and years. And I remember one time... Um, my dad's side of the family, he found his own father's diary. Um, you know, it was only more a logbook of what he did in the way old, like old, the classical Irish man kept yeah. a diary that just My said... My dad does that. It's yeah, ridiculous. Met John, you know, yeah. mass, bought car, 4,100 or whatever it was. But he found, I don't know, it wasn't even intentional, but he stumbled upon the day that my dad's mother died and it just had the one word sadness in it. Huh. And it was one of the most heartbreaking things because, you know, older Irish people aren't affectionate really in the way they talk about relationships and that. And in this, there's some deeply affecting kind of people there. Yeah, you can see real heartbreak in some of the faces and real sadness where you're like, you clearly wish you were dead. Um, Yeah, because Christianity also comes into it. And like, there's a lot of people who in it are believe that their, their partner is waiting for them, you know. And I think our generation, we're more of the thinking do it in the moment tell the people now and all that yeah. and no regrets sort of because yeah there was a lot of this kind of oh. we're all out atheists so there's yeah. less belief there that we can sort it all out at the next step some lovely so. framing in the film too like with I was saying to you there's a lot of statues and pictures of Jesus and the Sacred Heart and yeah. it was lovely we shot of uh the woman through the card I was like oh that's kind of cute yeah yeah and, like the card. and some of the older houses like the guy from Kerry who smashes the turf against the thing and it's refre- it's just so refreshing you know it's and they are very important documents of a time I think and what was great with the Irish pub as well um, you do they're good historical documents and it's important that people are, it's being made and if it's enjoyable and entertaining at the same yeah, time yeah and there's nothing controversial in this you know they, they, one of the one of the people featured in it touches upon gay marriage and you're, you're hoping that Fegan isn't going to allow them to to kind of hang themselves out yeah. for being because it is of a, such a different time you know totally and he doesn't though she kind of comes around and it's a nice warming 
moment, I think. So, yeah, I don't think you could possibly, it's not a masterpiece by any means, but it's a beautiful document and, like, uh, our, in terms of archiving these people's stories. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and there was, there was that touching thing in the credits where he dedicates the film to many of the centurions who have passed on because you do have this strange fetishism in the media where Ireland's oldest person has passed away. The baton has now been handed to Bridget in Mayo. And then, you know, nine months later, Bridget might pass away and the baton gets handed. So we do get a little bit uh, clinical about numbers in it. And yet he allows the humanity to kind of... And it's kind of traditional as well in another Irish sense in that no one kind of dishes dirt on other... Like, there's a lot of women, it seems, who are like... Yeah, it sounded like he was an alcoholic <laughs> and threw you around the place, but you're like, oh, he was grand in his day, you know. And he was a hard was man. Different time, and you're just like, Jesus, and they're still holding a flame from him, kind of, and it's just like, yeah. all right. What was good as well is there's minimal input from the other characters in these people's lives, because obviously a lot of them will... Now, some of them are probably hugely independent, but a lot of them are probably, you know, supported by children or home help and all that, but it's really left mm. to the characters. Kind it's a very important story. job, obviously, the home help and the the nursing homes and everything, but, like, there were some scenes in that where I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. No, the true, really beautiful ones are in their own homes mm. where mm-hmm. people are allowed to kind of coexist. So, yeah, see it. I mean, it's, it's going to be... I imagine the fact that in September means they can get a DVD out uh, for, Christmas. for Christmas. And it'll be, a, a you know, it's a classic... Good Stop one for the old for the old grandfather. Yeah, get it on VHS. Maybe be another one, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, uh, that's out now. That came out on Friday. Um, a film that came out a week before that. Or actually, what what do you want to do next? Do you want to do Everest or Miss yeah, You we'll, Already? Two very different films. We'll do Everest. We'll do Everest. So. Um, Everest, uh, we'll kick off with a clip actually to get us in the mood for this. This is a film that probably costs about 50,000 times more than Older Than Ireland, um, or it feels like that kind of thing. Um, here's a clip from the top of, of the mountain, Mount Everest, as expedition leader Rob Hall helps one of his clients, Doug, to get going on the descent, because it's one thing to get to the top of Everest, but it's a whole other thing to get down. So here's the clip. No, I'm not leaving you behind, Doug. Come on. Got it, right. No, Doug, come on, come on with me. I need ten good minutes, Doug, come on. Please, Nicky, come on. Ten minutes. We're to the bottom of the step. Come on, this leg. This leg, Doug, come on. Come on. There we go. So, that was Everest. Um... Yeah, basically, as you say, it's all Doug's fault. Um, yeah, I hate Doug. Yeah, so it's directed by an Icelandic director who did Two Guns. Did you see that film a few years yeah, ago? Yeah, I think it was okay. good fun. Yeah, um, Balthazar Kormakor. Um, so he's not a director of huge repute, um, but he does a solid job here. It's a big budget kind of thing, a lot of special effects. They got up, they filmed a lot, at, uh, maybe a third of the way up at the base camp thing and went up a little bit, so filmed it. But obviously you can't send a crew up much higher than that. So. I wonder did any of the cast actually then go on to climb it? I wonder. Jason Clark probably did because he seems a very uh, method actor. So anyway, it tells the story of the real life expedition up to Everest Summit in 1996 as Rob Hall, who we heard from there, played by Jason Clark, and Scott Fisher, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, lead two groups of mountaineers up Everest. This is at a time where mountaineering wasn't very kind of 
commercial it was starting to get into the point where if you have enough money you can pay someone to bring you up in effect and it that is kind of thing like it is uh, as it says in the trailer in different parts you're at it's 29,000 feet high so you're kind of you can't cope with that um, yeah. but they're getting kind of led through it like children I realise you have to be fit and stuff but it's yeah, all them ropes telling they you walk what to do. Yeah. you hold along onto they're all doing it with oxygen and they set it up for you except for the cool Scandinavian guy he's like no oxygen um, anyway so d- at the time there was too many teams so it's starting to get really popular and the the Nepalese and the was there a South African Taiwan. team or Taiwan yeah. c- group and all that so um, Hall and Fisher decide to team up um, and they join their kind of troop up and they all want to get up by this date of May 10th, 10th. or whatever and so they, they spend a couple of like a week up on the base yeah, camp and they go up a little bit and then they go well, back and then they go days. up further and then back and all this so um, it, it's kind of uh, there's a lot of sort of famous people in there I'm not going to name everyone because there's too many people but then as well as people on the troop we get uh, Kira Knightley who's Rob's pregnant wife at home and uh, Emily Watson who is it Emily Watson I think so do you think she ever met like well no, I suppose she sees Rob Hall at the start but like she's yeah. no inter- like did she did they just you know oh in the film yeah just yeah. film it from her home on her couch like think yeah. that was her house <laughs> and then Sam Worthington is also in there as a guy who's kind of camped a bit further he's, lovely. he's like out. Mr. Nice Guy who yeah. comes over and is like we've got to help my buddy what can I do what can I do um so yeah, Josh Brolin plays Beck Weather. Sorry, he's kind of like there's two people. We're gonna spoil the shit out of this because it was spoiled on me. So tough. yeah, so if you don't, if you haven't seen it ever, it's out two weeks at the stage. If you haven't seen it, then turn off for a couple of minutes or fast forward a little bit. Um, but it's not really important. It's also not important. Did you? No. You did. I didn't I, know what was going to happen, know. and you did know. So I liked that I didn't know, but then I got incredibly pissed off when Beck, the Texan, you know, doctor billionaire adventurer guy, survives. He doesn't get to yeah climb the mountain and then he gets basically left for dead and wakes up then two days later he loses both his hands and his <laughs> nose but you were kind of like all oh, right but the way they and, and then so that's one famous part of it and then the other famous part is that jason clark's rob hall gets stuck up on the top of the mountain and he makes a phone call home to um to his wife and which was kind of groundbreaking you know they did this weird cb into a satellite phone thing which was quite cool um i thought so uh, technology was sort of getting yeah the satellite input. thing was cool but uh, yeah so he dies and um, but the wrong people live you know Rob yeah. Ball is so cool they, like he's you really are gunning for him that's why I was kind of like oh I wish this just, was a made up film because if this yeah. was a made up film Rob Ball would live but that's why it's all Doug's fault Doug is a character played by John Hawks a uh, great actor and uh, he's it's his second time doing it the first time the weather was bad and he got turned around so they kind of make Rob out to be a really good guy like he won't take he's doing it for a lot of money but he offered this guy a discount and yeah. if he brings you up he'll take you down safe whereas Jake Gyllenhaal is his like antithesis where he's like if you're not able to do it yourself you shouldn't be up here and I'm not going to be able to feed you just do it yeah, different kind of attitudes to like parenting and guiding. So, um, and like, but so Doug kind of fucks it up again. He's a bit late, and because you have to get up and down by a certain time, or else the weather goes really crazy. He comes up, and then Rob is like, "No, I'll go back up with you." Which is weird, though, because how do they actually? Know? Oh, I suppose they know that because it was all 
they were in contact by radio. Yeah. Because Rob dies, oh, Doug some dies. some of it, I'd say, is guesswork. And yeah. He walked here. And so many articles. And there was a journalist on the trek played by the guy from um, House of Cards. Could you tell? I kept, I was like, John he's going to them all. Yeah. yeah. John, John Crank. Well, he was a bit of a jerk as well. He was yeah, like, no, we have to go. We have to go. Um, John Crankow. Cranker, I think his name is. So he's written a book about it. But um, he's. Is, is this what the film's kind of, where it takes most of it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And that, um, Into the. Is it not called Into the Void? That's another one. Um, I can't really. In, uh, he, he's the guy who wrote Into the Wild. I can't remember. Um, this is a picture of him. We have a computer here. We're looking oh, at a picture. Into Thin Air. And he but he into also the wrote Into the Wild. That's mad. So he, he, he wow. tells these kind of stories. Got so, to go up Everest for free too. $65,000 it cost. Yeah, back in the old days, you mm. know. That'd be fair. That was in real money. So, um, did you, for that now. I liked a lot about it. I thought the 3D was a bit hard to kind of... I didn't feel actually like I was on top of the mountain a lot of the time. Oh, I didn't even when see I look it on 3D. The, yeah, what was I, that like on it? The 3D was... It was and I thought that was going to be the way to do it because they talked during the filming of it that this is one of the first films to be shown in this new laser uh, 3D projection it's another new gimmick that they're getting ready for. they had it at Venice and it's going to be for Star Wars there's a new type of projecting 3D which apparently is going to be a new improved version but um, I wondered whether the IMAX in Dublin would have that it doesn't um, at the minute but hopefully it'll get upgraded for it as, as far as I know I could be wrong on that feel free to correct me but um, yeah I found the 3D a little bit hard I didn't really feel like I was on top of the mountain which was the whole point of it you know when we watch Gravity you felt like you are in space when you watched Avatar you felt like you were on um, the Blue Island no 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 you were felt like you were a Navi Navi oh okay but you know like this was pitched in my head as a similarly groundbreaking kind of new 3D thing. Oh, right. I, didn't feel I just went to say it in old school, ordinary. Yeah, but um, even the, looking yeah. at the YouTube clips now, in like on a good monitor, you feel more immersed in it. Mm. So I thought it was quite tense as well, because even though you do know what's going to happen, it is, there's kind of scary bits, and I was just like, oh no, this is kind of crap, he's going to mm. die. And there is that thing as well that kind of comes through and they kind of brush off it at one point, whereby a lot of these people have family and kids, and a lot of people die. Um, yeah. Doing Everest, um, yeah, the bodies are pregnant. Yeah. And it was like, oh, she's a she's a climber too. She understands because you're kind of like, look, why are you doing this? It's just yeah. insanity. And all the bodies are left there as like these m- monuments. And there's kind of uh, I didn't get to read the article. I just saw the headline. It's New Yorker had. That's a what everyone does now. Yeah, no one reads something. It's just like Waterford Whispers. So yeah. it's this one called the New Yorker and. Uh, they say that there's too many characters in it. And That's my, my exact yeah. argument. So it's a true story. So obviously the troupe had to have all these parts in the... Because the Japanese lady feels very... Uh, yeah, and I thought she was great. Um, she'd climbed six of the seven peaks and this yeah, was... The, she the, the highest was the thing. And she's just... She dies as well. It's just like, oh, there she is. And there's no... She just kind of collapses. And there's time with the masks and stuff. You're like, who is that? Exactly, yeah. And you, you're trying to remember, right, Jake Gyllenhaal had a yellow coat. Uh um, th- th- what was it Rob Hall's coat was orange I think but then he has goggles and very hard and they're shouting and it's too hard to follow so I, I don't remember seeing Jake Gyllenhaal die or where he actually ended up oh he did die yeah no I know he's oh, right, I'm sorry. aware of that spoiler again yeah. but I Everyone don't dies. remember how they how they showed it on screen or where they disconnected him from the narrative and just left him 
Oh, he just kind of falls into the snow and yeah. then. But it was difficult. We're used now to these, this level of story when there's so many people. You'd almost want to like dip in and be able to see a timeline of right. That's where he fell out, and that's where he joined in, and this is where the phone call. And it is an interesting. You can read loads on why this thing failed. All the links in the chain, like why there wasn't O or oxygen, as we call it. What's the kind of kids I need O and, and some T. I need O and T. And they all hide O. Yeah, they hide it everywhere. We're which, hiding it on the south face. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you just have it in your backpack yeah so um, that didn't work for me but I mean I enjoyed a lot about it so it's a three and a half yeah I've been giving it three and a half yeah. which is a credit to them but I think maybe in the hands of which we're going to talk about later like Ridley Scott or someone who can can spend a lot of time building the world but then also can dedicate lots to the actual characters I think the characters here there's too many they need to be more cutthroat and maybe make it more narrative uh, focused and get rid of some people and merge too and all this type of thing but the other house of cards one is in it um, okay she's uh, Josh Brolin's wife what do you call her oh yeah Robin Wright Robin, Robin, Wright. Robin, Robin Wright yeah yeah, she's in it and you're kind of like ah she doesn't look as good as in house of cards though. I think they potentially did not obviously though yeah. they're kind of like oh, but that was b- bullshit like, well, I mean, she's like, like get, the, get the senator on the phone we're going to need to have Santa Chopper up there because they hated each other they you hated each other yeah and then they try to make this into the because you realise Rob Hall is going to die and then they're like shit we can't it's like uh, Pulp Fiction is just like we're not ending with um, the two of them dead they've got to walk out of the cafe alive so it's like we're not ending with Rob Hall dead here's good feel good thing and he wakes up and you're like alright okay yeah anyway it's in cinemas now um, it's going to hog the 3D screens for another couple of weeks. well actually no The Martian is out this week which we're going to talk about later so yeah you've got another week or two to see it maybe a week to see it in IMAX um, so next up a film that's gone back to the tiny budget uh, me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Quirky kind of title uh, based on a book. And here's a clip. I like your room, Rachel. Thanks. Greg thinks it's too girly. No, I, I love girly. I think it's fine. Well, it ain't too girly. I mean, I done seen some rooms where I'm like, yo, this some pink puffy bullshit. I mean, Hello Kitty posters and chocolate and naked dudes all over the wall. It make me want to throw up for real. Hey, if you're going to throw up, don't do it in here, okay? In this room. Anyways, Rachel, we really just wanted to see how you was doing. Thanks. Yeah, chemotherapy. It really sucks. Greg, what the hell, bro? Don't say it suck, dumbass. That's kind of suck. Yeah, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I guess. So there we hear a clip from me, Earl and the Dying Girl. It was directed by Alfonso Gomez Rajon. What's uh, his name? Alfonso Gomez Rajon. It's that's like two names. Or that's two names. Okay. okay. Send him a letter being like, hey, you've got two names. Pick yeah. one. Pick one if you want to make it. Yeah, big hit at Sundance. Yeah, it got picked up there, I think. It was just independent and then it got picked up. So it stars Thomas Mann as Greg, RJ Sider as Earl, and Olivia Cook as Rachel. They're kind of the three. Rachel, a.k.a. The, the Dying, dying Girl. girl. Yeah. And it's kind of plays off that um, you don't know if she's going to die, if she's going to live, and... Um, it's not that obvious kind of when it starts. So it's done really well. Earl, or no, sorry, Thomas Mann, it plays Greg. So he kind of narrates the film, um, which works well. It doesn't, I'm kind of not a big fan of voiceovers and narration. It's kind of lazy, but it works and it kind of puts it along. And the best thing about it, I think, and for film fans is, he, along with his friend Earl, they make these wee short 
kind of crap homages to films that they love. Can you remember a favourite? Mine was Eyes Wide Butt. Um, <sighs> very funny. So that was sort of a bit like Be Kind Rewind, revisiting and yeah. for a smart. But like the kind of ones they choose are like these very like highbrow Criterion collection. Yeah. The ones that get the full re- restoration treatment. Because yeah. um, their dad... Um, Nick Offerman. Yeah, he plays uh, Greg's dad. He's brilliant in it. He kind of introduced them to these kind of um, art house films and then they love it and start doing their whole thing. So they become friends with Olivia because they realise she's got cancer. Um, Greg's mum makes her go and become her friend and through this friendship they then she gets to see all their movies and they go and make movies for her. And it's kind of like a homage. It's very, it is very funny. It's hilarious. And yeah, and you think, if I wrote down that premise for mm. you, two guys make movies for a girl who has cancer you would be sick yeah. and, I mean, and when I saw the trailer I kind of thought oh this is going to be another default in our stars which yeah. I hated it was soppy nonsense yeah. um, but, but this is much smarter and very very smart very clever and sensitive in the right kind of way and Rachel that to me felt like a very honest and real portrayal of uh, what it would feel like if you were 17 and you were told you had leukemia and you were going to die and how it is somewhat realistic that your parent could tell you, oh, do you want to maybe, you know, make that girl be friends with her or something you know, for yeah. a while and all this. And, and Rachel's mother was great. She was in um, yeah, Wet Hot American Summer. She was the counsellor. Uh, yes. Uh, people remember from the podcast from last month um, or from a couple of weeks ago. Um, so she was really good and it was a good supporting cast. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. No, it's brilliant. And music from Brian Eno, which was bonkers with contributions from the younger composer, uh, Nico Mully. Um, or and it's a good pastiche of teen films as well at the start with the different groups and it has its own wee kind of slant on it. Um, yeah, very yeah. enjoyable. Is it still in the cinema? It might be. I'd say it it's is, still yeah, in it's Sunny still World. In Sunny World. Yeah, check it out. Um, okay, uh, speaking of cancer. <gasps> that's the worst Best link ever. Oh, it's a very bad link, but... Strangely enough, we had another uh, film uh, that came out just last Friday. So it's Catherine Hardwick's Miss You Already. Um, She did 13. Do you remember 13? The film, which is 12 years old. That was like one of those early first year college films. So Evan Rachel Wood was in it and um, I really liked it. And she also did a Twilight movie, which I forgot. So anyway, Miss You Already, we... um, is a sort of self-proclaimed women's picture. You can tell by the poster it's for women, but I went to see it anyway. Um, Tony Collette and Drew Barrymore play two friends living in London, Millie and Jess, and we see them meet in school, primary school, and then ending up with their their uh, partners in later life. And we see their, you know, th- we see the trials and everything. They're very different kind of attitudes to life. Millie, um, Tony Collette's character, ends up with Kit, who's this kind of rock star. She works in PR, all fake, you know, very image obsessed, but. Deep, you know, she's kind of daffy and goofy and funny, but also very self-absorbed and everything. And then Jess, uh, Drew Barrymore's person, couldn't be further from the truth. Or from, from further, sorry, Drew Barrymore's character, Jess, couldn't be further from that. Um, she ends up with a guy called Jago, which is a name I don't That's know. That's not a name. Yeah. Jago, played by Paddy Considine, playing, which is kind of cool that he would end up in this um, sort of thing. I'm, I'm glad. Hopefully, he got paid well for it. But um, it's all going well, 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 grand. And then, whatever, 30 minutes in, Millie uh, gets breast cancer. And the tone of the film just sort of goes um, and changes everything. And you think, oh, God, this is going to be a bit strange. And while it does 
it has some weird missteps in it in terms of the evolution of their friendship. For the most part, it's a, I felt it was a really honest, sort of truthful look at how every element of her life would change. Millie, you know, she works in PR. Her hair starts falling out. Like, what does she do? Does she get a wig that looks like it? Does she tell people? Get all the sympathy from all these, you know, PR bimbo-y kind of people, phony kind of people. Then, you know, she stops... Kit and her stop having sex and they struggle to kind of evolve so then she goes off and maybe looks for someone else then she ends up getting a double mastectomy and they show all that like it's a really which I think doesn't shy away from it it's a really it's very happy to do that and show the reality of what that would be like and so all the way through Jess has been trying to get pregnant um, and it hasn't worked out you know she's maybe nearly 40 at the time it actually does work out but you know Millie forgets to keep an interest in her so that oh, classic yeah. thing of, of, of a female friendship that the the dynamic has been a bit unaltered but because both of them have been on their game over the years it's been okay and one compensates for the other but then when Millie has this she just forgets Jess as a person and so it's um, it's strange Here's we'll just take a quick clip just to get the tone of it uh, this is when Millie tells Jess that uh, she's got cancer this isn't a very funny clip but we'll watch we found out a week ago and you haven't told Kit yet? I have to have chemotherapy, like, straight away. I'm going to be bald. Oh, lots of people are bald. Oh, men are bald, Jess. Babies, E.T., not me. You might take my tits away. They haven't said that yet. Not for sure. Well, I mean, how much cancer can you have? You've had all your checkups. Well, I've been busy. Oh, Jesus. Well, how could the tumor have gotten so big? Because it's aggressive, like you, Jesus. Well, is it contained? In my body, yes. You should have gone back sooner. Yeah, thanks. I hadn't figured that out. You're right, that was a really stupid thing to say. I'm sorry. Is it too late? Let's put these in the wash. Yeah, is it too late? Bit of a cheesy line there, but obviously he hasn't been told yet. That was Kit, Dominic West's character. Dominic West basically plays the same character in every film. Yeah, I no? don't really like him. I don't think he no. can act much. Yeah, but he plays himself. And yeah. anyway, he's kind of... You when do I have saw a... the trailer for this, I was like, this looks terrible. Yeah. And it kind of... Just, I had said, Fallen Our Stars. kind of looks like that, where it's just going to kind of, you know, yeah. all this is going to happen, you should cry now and make it. But no, it, doesn't it doesn't sound like that. There's nothing, you don't cry at all. It's just a good thing. It's more about the friendship and how it evolves. Like it's not, I'm not saying it's, it's great. I think it's, a, it's down the, you know, the three and a half. But it, I mean, it's a take-in from compared to when you see the poster. You're like, you think it just looks ridiculous. But Toni Collette is brilliant in it. Like, she really is good. She surprised us all in Last Land with her Tala accent yeah. last year. And, and she has really good... Uh, oh, thank you for asking the trivia. I it may have been prompted beforehand to ask me that, but uh, the screenwriter is David Badil's wife, um, Morwena Banks, and she is the voice of Peppa Pig, um, Peppa Go Pig's ahead. mother, and she also um, was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for four episodes um, 20 years ago. Oh, that's <laughs> so boring. very strange. So she, it's kind of her story. I think that is also interesting. Like it, it is well written. And then did it happen to her? Do you know or no? I don't know. She, she had a radio drama about breast cancer as well. So it's obviously an issue close to her heart. But um, anyway, it doesn't shy away from the shitness of this situation. And yeah, it's grand. You know, if you're looking for something to yeah. to see, it's 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 solid. Um, I'm not sure if we can change tone anymore, but we're going to now talk about the visit. Yeah, so it's a new film from M. Night Shyamalan, 
and I really enjoyed it it's two kids when you see the trailer I didn't actually realise that it's all shaky handheld documentary stuff I thought it would just be that was the trailer or something and when you it starts then so you have two kids who go and visit their grandparents it's Becca who's played by Olivia De Jong and Tyler who's Ed Oxenbound Bold you wouldn't know any of them it's not like they've been in anything else and they go and visit it's an amazing name Oxenbound they go find uh, go visit their grandparents and we realise that their mum by so you go to UCD Catherine Oxenbound it's kind of name isn't it good fancy doing business in UCD trendy maybe no maybe <laughs> so the mother Catherine uh, Hain is we realise hasn't been in touch with the grandparents we don't know why and the kids go and see them and they hang out with them and with every M. Night Shyamalan twist or film there's a twist which I didn't see coming and I was kind of like oh that's a good one do you all know what it is no I'm going to see this tomorrow morning okay. so do you want to guess what it is <sighs> I won't say anything guess that at all it takes place in, in a double reality there's two versions of the story and that they're all no no they've already died it's in purgatory two no. versions no okay. <laughs> it's not lost um, but he had that in the village where it was all oh yeah you know, it was in the past in the experiment yeah uh, so it's I really enjoyed it it's kind of a bit of a return to form on him Mark Kermode fucking hated this he really hated it uh, the Irish it Times got, quite liked it, it they gave completely it like it's a long time since I saw something that divided because the, wor- the worst thing we hate in this hobby of ours is where you just have films that are fine mm-hmm. you know forgettable like I don't know, whatever. Whereas with this, it got such divisive. This is very, very good. Return to form, best thing he's ever done. And then other yeah. people will be like, this is the worst. Yeah. Like Shyamalan film, which is saying something when you have uh, la- what was Lady, the one, Mark? The lake, and then Lady no, and in then the Water, the and then one. the last airbender as well, which I didn't see, so I'm not going to pass judgment, but pan- uh, pants by all accounts. But it's got, it keeps the tension going because you're not really sure. And at one point you're like, God, is the horror in this that it's just old age? Because it's the granny is kind of going a bit mad. She's played by Diana. I'm not sure of a certain name. And uh, Pop Pop is played by Peter McRobbie, which is incredibly annoying. They keep saying, hey, Pop Pop. Like, who calls their grandfather Pop Pop? No idea. Do you want to, do we have a clip to give us a sense of the. Yeah, mood? here we have the two kids, and as they realise, their granny's doing something a bit mad. Wait. If you can open the door, just open it for a little bit. So it is, it's good and freaky and nice creaky door action there going on. And uh, did it do? There's a couple of good jumps and scares in it. So it's somewhat of a return to form. I think so. I'd be giving it a three and a half, four. I was just like, yeah, it's good. And the shaky, I think what really pissed Mark Remote off was that shaky cam stuff that's kind of taken on from the Blair Witch. And it's just like, yeah, and it's quite funny. It's very funny. The kids are good in it. I think found footage is a reality of the genre of horror at this stage so um, yeah I didn't get to see it yet but um, we're both on holidays this month or we're both out of the country so yeah. uh, did you get to see anything when you were in Prague? That's where I saw Everest Oh we saw Everest Yeah good. lovely Kino which is called which is the foreign word for something in cinema Czech subtitles I think Yeah Czech subtitles Very good. The cool thing about the cinema it had the old school double seats 
dotted mm. throughout the cinema, not just oh, in so the just back the rows. One here and yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, very cool. Very clever, very nice, lovely. I was in Turin and I saw no films. Uh, um, I finished Mr. Robot though, but that's TV. So oh, we that's, have to talk about that off the podcast. Yeah, if anyone hasn't watched Mr. Robot, once feels like David Fincher. They haven't had enough kind of <laughs> yeah. David Fincher tribute stuff. Uh, watch Mr. Robot. Um, one film that I you also saw that I haven't that I know you didn't really dig too much is Life. Yeah, uh, it came out about a week or so ago. It's directed by Anthony um, Corbin. He directed Control, which was brilliant. That's probably about ten years old now or more. Um, and it stars Dennis Stock as Robert. Yeah, star, Robert Pattinson as Dennis Stock and uh, Dane DeHaan as James Dean. So it's a relationship between the two of them. He was a photographer. Um, Dennis Stock and uh, he he took these very famous photos of James Dean and you kind of always forget that he was just in three films that all came out in the space of like 18 months of each other um, we watched Giant a couple of months back yeah and East of uh, Eden and, and Rebel Without a Cause so in this one he's just finished East of Eden and is hoping to get cast in Rebel Without a Cause and Robert Pattinson is but like we'll take this clip here yeah. he comes across incredibly annoying mm. and I know when you read because I read a lot when we, when we were doing Giant about James Dean on set like he did a bit of a ponce mm. fair to say <laughs> but uh, let's take the clip there here. I don't want to play this stupid game you don't have to I mean just let me help you I got 30 million people reading Life magazine and we do a, we do a great shoot and none of this stuff wait a minute you think you're giving me something that's not already coming my way I lose myself in my roles. I don't want to lose myself in all this other stuff. Right. And you are this other stuff. Well, you're not. Well, that was your stand-in at the Star is Born premiere and, and all this with Pierre. That, that was a real relationship. I think you're experiencing real loss right now. Man. Yeah, so he kind of goes into the, you know, James Dean was very moody and a great actor and everything like that. But he, I wasn't kind of blown away by James Dean in Giant, I had to say. So, yeah, he plays the kind of suffering soul or something a bit too much. There's a nice bit where he goes home. There's some great shots. But it's a bad thing when the best thing about the film is the actual real life photographs that, that come up in the credits at the end. You're like, oh, geez, those are amazing photographs. It's very, I said it in the review. It's very hard when it's famous for photographs and then you're trying to talk about that because a photograph is just an image and you shouldn't have to talk about it just be like there it is and then when you're filling yeah. it in it's not that great Would from the look of it it's got a bit of the inside Lewin Davis kind of look to it Look-wise, if there was yeah. a different director on the story could they have like, made a better possibly yeah but I don't know a bit if more the story is there or, yeah yeah so some guy who worked with some other or guy or you even need to go more it would have been better if it was less dialogue and it totally and it was just images amazing images or something make like it that. more like a visual poem tribute anyway yeah. um, we'll go on to our movie moment of the month of September so mine is from a film that came out on the last day of, of August but I don't care uh, 45 years um, from the director Andrew High sorry I couldn't remember his first name anyway so it's about an old couple 45th wedding wedding anniversary so we get to spend a couple of days with them as they prepare for their party and new stories kind of come in and it's harrowing it's hard like this is this realization that they've possibly wasted all this time and they're not they've never actually really talked about some things so the the final scene in it is uh the moment where they're having the dance at the party and it's beautifully shot and <laughs> yeah heartbreaking and like kind of very dark and funny in its own weird way but highly recommend it's going to be one of my films of the year I suspect mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're you so give, have you given anything this year five stars I rarely I, I hold back we're waiting, waiting for Star Wars oh yeah 
Um, we have a good announcement about Star Wars. I oh, know we'll have to save that for the other podcast. Yeah. Um, my movie moment of the month is dum 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 Everest. Let's pick a moment from that. It's spoiler alert again. Uh, when Rob Hall dies, the character, um, it's kind of gas. It's just like there he is on the side of a mountain, which probably wasn't true. Like you know, and it's just the way it's framed and everything it was just like this ridiculous but I kind of liked it it was like here mm-hmm. is the last image from this film a dead guy on the side of a mountain because like an auction disaster blockbuster movie and I kind of loved that that was like yeah, you know yeah and he's still there not a weird thing where they had him. the daughter growing up yeah I wondered the, the he thing. said in the interview he said he mentioned her too many times for me not to think that the She's family are almost giving it the okay like oh, as okay. exec producers or something because right, it's yeah. too much lip service paid to to the whole family or whatever. Okay. Anyway, uh, we'll move on for a few minutes and talk about October. Actually, looks like a very, really good month. Um, as I say, we didn't see much in September, but October, I think, is going to be deadly. So The Martian is out. Some reviewers will have seen this, um, but we haven't. It's out on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to come back to Blockbuster oh, time. Brilliant. Let's bring it out on a Wednesday. weekend ever. Yeah, so um, the blurb... Everyone at this stage knows that a manned mission to Mars goes disastrously wrong when a storm leaves astronaut Mark Watney missing, presumed dead. However, he has in fact survived, and when he wakes, he discovers that he's now stranded alone on Mars. There's a terrible bit in the trailer that kind of has put me off this film entirely. It's like when he's looking at the camera, he's doing his wee video diary, and he's like, we're going to have to science this shit out of this. And I was mm. like, no one says that. That's just bad dialogue in a film, and it's yeah. stupid. And a scientist would especially not say that. Yeah, apparently the book is a massive hit, and but it does every like scientists have said this is a film for like teenage science geeks to to fall in love more with science and to promote science as a thing so let's see it's out on Wednesday um as you know, I love Ridley Scott, except for when we saw Exodus last year. But even at that, I quite like the world. It's good spectacle, yeah. Yeah, and Prometheus might have been one of the few people who actually liked it. So I, I can't wait to see too. what he does with it. And Matt Damon is back in space after seeing him last year in Interstellar when we the weren't allowed to talk about it. was asking me, is it related to... Uh, Interstellar? Yeah, yeah because it's, it's, it's a sequel. Kind of like, see well, a scientist and then... It's also confusing. Like, the imagery is another person in space. We had, you know, George Clooney, Sandra Bullock's head in all the promotions for gravity and then we yeah. saw last year Matthew McConaughey's head in Spain the spacesuit and now this year we're seeing Matt Damon again so we're getting a lot of NASA kind of activity so Are they anyway, trying that, to tell us something? Yeah it's out on Wednesday the other one uh, The Lobster it's uh, Jorgos Lanthimos's uh, English, de- English language debut um, he did Dogtooth which uh, everyone loved and then Alps which I haven't seen but I think you saw it and yeah I hear Dogtooth and Alps so but this I saw the trailer for this for the first time there before um, Older Than yeah. Ireland it looks good fun a wonderful premise um, a love story set in the near future wonderfully dystopian the near future where single people according to the rules of the city are arrested and transferred to the hotel where they're obliged to find a matching mate in 45 days if they fail they're transformed into an animal of their choosing and released into the woods um, it sounds like one of these old allegorical like uh, plays from Russia or something yeah, like a yeah. proverb I don't know what it's based on I'm ignorant to that so um, but I, I can't wait Colin Farrell is in it I think and Samuel Beckett has a short story called The Lobster right so maybe this but I don't think it's it. anything about yeah. that but it has Irish funding that's the most interesting thing Ed Guiney who produces uh, Lenny Abramson's films and Element films are kind of involved on this and so it's sort of got an Irish link uh, from the co-financing side of things so we'll claim it for well, Irish, Irish film, film of the year even nothing Irish at all about it so. are we going to be able to claim Room as best Irish film of the year 
uh, well there you go where did the money come from but that's the debate start yeah, now which we're very excited so about congratulations to Lenny we know he doesn't listen he might listen you never I know I know he listens he, but he loves the Irish film like he the RTE concert orchestra do the score for Room and he's got Irish actor like I think we're yeah. giving him props we will call it an Irish film don't okay. care so coming out also in October is Macbeth and Spectre. So Macbeth uh, looks fantastic. You know, Shakespeare never looked so sexy because Michael Fassbender is in it with uh, Marianne Cotillard. She plays Lady Macbeth. And um, yeah, it has a good solid cast. Jack Rayner is also in it. And Paddy Constantine plays Mac- uh, Banquo in it. So yeah, it looks fantastic. He plays who? Banquo. 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 I have no recollection. I did Macbeth. In did the- you? Yeah, but I don't remember someone called Banquo. Oh. Who? Hmm. He's the guy who, oh, spoiler alert, comes, <laughs> comes after Macbeth. Banquo? Yeah. I don't remember. I just remember Duncan. Duncan, yeah. Um, Duncan's played by Ron Jack- Weasley's dad, I think, from the look of the trailer. That's who I thought it was. Mm, Maybe not. I don't think so. Um, anyway, it's directed by Justin Kurzel, who directed Snowtown, which is a horrifically graphic, almost walked out of the cinema uh, film about a, an Australian serial killer. So I'm sure Macbeth is definitely going to be full of lots of blood. Uh, also coming out is Spectre last film probably by Sam Mendes who keeps saying that but I wonder if it makes a billion dollars will he do another one do another one and Daniel Craig is back as Bond again and Christoph Waltz is the bad guy for this one so um, yeah it kind of looks like it'll be the same affair out at the end of the month kind of Halloween I think it opens on a Monday or something (laughs) yeah he's not Ron Weasley's dad he's um, he's a character and he's a teacher David Thwillis he was in a brilliant film called Naked are you sure he's not Ron Weasley's dad? No, so who he's, is he in he's, Harry the, he's the one who turns into a wolf. Oh, okay. All our Harry Potter who's fans. Who's Ron Weasley's, are... Weasley's dad then? Someone else? The guy who's in Jim, not Jim Broadbent. Um, we've turned into my parents now having a conversation. <laughs> um, the guy, I'll Google him there. Ah, we'll leave we'll it at that. This. Listener, you'll get a tweet about Ron Weasley's dad is played by um, Brilliant So the big so. debate with Spectre was uh, Sam, Smith, Sam Smith did the music for it and it came out on Friday. I can't really understand what he's singing. Okay, uh, we're going to, yeah, we'll wrap it we'll up, with it up with it and this. you can decide. If it's a yay or a nay. Yeah. So be sure to tune in in another week or two's time and we'll have our new, we're splitting the podcast in two, so our watch with Spool for this month, you'll have seen something on the website about it, is two Wes Craven films. He passed away last month, so we're looking at Last House on the Left and The Hills of Eyes, both of which have been remade. If we were doing a super thing, we could watch four films, but we're not going to do that. Yeah, I've no desire to watch any horror remakes. Um, they look like they're going to be quite horrible films to watch. I realise this. I'm not really yeah, looking forward to watching them. They're part of the, some of the original um, video, video nasty type movement. But, I mean, these are the ones that put Wes Craven on the map, kind of so. Or maybe Scream, just put him on the map. And yeah, his kind of articles generation, that he wrote. But anyway, we will wrap up with the Sam Smith James Bond theme. Let us know what you think. Writings on the wall. Uh, I haven't heard this before. I was away until two days ago. So. I'll get I'll get my reaction here. Work and tweet my face. Um, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to review us on iTunes and tweet at us with suggestions for what kind of stuff we should be doing in, in this second podcast. We kind of know what we're doing in the end of month one, but if you have any ideas for Watch with School, we'd love to hear them. Thanks very much for listening. Bye bye.
'Cause the road.